Mulaney, Omaha. Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Awesome time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 Glad to have you with us on a Monday, a magnificent Monday, a recap Monday, nonstop sports talk to the 4 o'clock hour, man. What a whirlwind it has been this weekend. College football, college basketball, the NFL, World Championship Boxing, all the events, three great venues, Allegiant Stadium, Mandalay Bay, T-Mobile Arena. We were there for all of it. Well, Numbchuck wasn't there. I was there, though. Numbchuck was wrestling. That's what he was doing. He was Sam's Town Live. Throw that in there as well, too. We recap it all for you. Exciting night. Controversial ending at the Mandalay Bay Michelob Ultra Arena Saturday night as Terrence Crawford defeats Showtime Sean Porter. Not the exact ending we thought that we would see. We'll talk about that today. The Raiders' woes continue. The Raiders have now lost three in a row, losing to the Cincinnati Bengals at Elysian Stadium yesterday afternoon. And, of course, UNLV. On the football side, they lose a game to San Diego State, but the Rebels uh, lose two closely contested games to Michigan as part of the Roman main event tournament over at T-Mobile Arena. And then last night, they lose one basically at the buzzer to Wichita State, but a good showing for Kevin Kruger's crew, losing to Michigan, losing to Wichita State. But that was a lot of fun as well, too. So we have all of that to talk about today. I'll be taking off on... uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, of course. Thursday is Thanksgiving, and uh, we're taking the day off uh, on Friday as well, too. So, for me, we will reconvene with myself next Monday, but don't despair. The show goes on. My man Seawin, bringing the big right-hander from Detroit. That's right. I hear the boy talking. I'd say Mickey Lolich, but he was a left-hander. Yeah, Seawin will be here on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think uh, B. Sal's coming on tomorrow as well to join Seawin. I'll be heading to, to Sacktown. I got an event there. Again, we will reconvene show-wise with yours truly on Monday. So, again, stay tuned to the show. Listen local. Listen anywhere. TCMartinShow.com. My man Chris Wynn uh, taking over the next two days, and I greatly appreciate him. All right, let's dive into the Raiders. That's where we start. Today on the show, Sam Gordon will join us. Heidi Fang. They'll be talking to us a little bit later this hour, giving their Raider thoughts slash Crawford Porter thoughts as they were at the fight as well as the Raiders game yesterday. It's like we all were. We'll talk with him about that. Matt Holt will join us next hour. Look forward to that. We talk about the betting side. What happened dog-wise for the third week in a row? Dogs came through again. 14 games, eight dogs cover, six favorites. We'll talk to Matt Holt, U.S. Integrity, regarding that. Also preview the game tonight between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the New York Giants. And speaking of which, we will go live to Tampa Bay as well 
TJ Reeves, our guy, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter. He is at Raymond James Stadium arriving as we speak, getting ready for Monday Night Football, the Buccaneers and the Giants. So TJ Reeves will join us from Raymond James Stadium. So busy show, packed show, great guests on tap for you today. We'll uh, recap everything and preview tonight's Monday Night Football game as well. Hopefully diagnose a winner a little bit later on. But let's talk about the game from yesterday. The Raiders and the Bengals. The Raiders' woes continue. Like I said, lost three in a row. Lose to the Giants. Lose to the Chiefs. Now lose to the Bengals. Both teams needed this game drastically. And here's the bottom line. Sitting here watching this game, I did. I expected the Raiders to show up. But now, in retrospect, why should we expect that? Because it was really the same thing. It was the same demeanor, the same lack of fire, lack of energy. I would say lack of ingenuity, especially on the offensive end. And this is a team that we've talked about for a long time. Is this going to happen again the second half of the season? And a lot of people wanted to dismiss that. But after watching what transpired yesterday and now the three-game losing streak and being outscored the way that they've been outscored after the bye, the Raiders have been outscored 96-43 to since their bye week. Is this a coincidence that they are playing like this with all the -the off-the-field issues or not? It's correlated. No one wants to admit that. But to a man, if you talk to some of these players deep down inside, if they really open up, there is a correlation. I think Josh Jacobs, I think I mentioned on Friday, Josh Jacobs actually came out and you could tell that by listening to his his sound bites last week that we played. You could tell that this Henry Ruggs situation is really bothering him. The Derek Carr stuff with John Gruden, that's got to bother him. Because these guys were were tied together with this franchise. Closely tied together with the success and the failure of this team for the past four seasons. So, yes, there, this is a factor. And now we're seeing it. And it's easy to now just basically mail it in or quit. And I'm not saying that's happening, but when you see the lack of enthusiasm, lack of energy, and when other teams that really are not that much better than you, that are really not more physical in play than you are, when they're beating you down the way they are, on the scoreboard and on the field, physically and emotionally, yeah, there's something to that. And this all starts with the coaches. Down to the players, the lack of execution, the lack of fire. I mean, watching yesterday's game, it was uninspiring. That's what it looked like. Both teams needed this game big time. They were both in the same situation. They were five and four. Each of them were five and four. Raiders a game and a half out. First place with Kansas City. Kansas City wins yesterday, as predicted. All right, and a cover. There you go. The Raiders lose. So now you're two and a half games out if you are the Raiders right now. And the bottom line was this. Cincinnati was the better football team. They were better prepared, they executed better, they communicated better, they wanted this game more than the Raiders. It sounds sad to say that, and it's kind of cliche-ish, but that's exactly how it looked. The play calling, Greg Olson, questionable. Carr, 
19 for 27, 215 yards, nothing really downfield. The only time he had downfield completions was on their, their last scoring drive when they went down in three plays and covered 75 yards, two big connections to Waller right down the middle, beautifully. And then, you know, connecting with the touchdown pass to Foster Moreau. Three plays, 75 yards, boom. And where's the momentum after that? Not be able to get a stop. Then they come back. Carr fumbles as he's trying to scramble. Just downright ugly. Carr, one touchdown pass, one interception, one fumble. The commitment to the running game, where is that? Josh Jacobs, nine carries, 37 yards yesterday. And the the calls of the running plays, very odd in the timing of this. There was a third and seven. And they ran the ball up the middle, ended up having to punt after they crossed the 50-yard line. And it seemed like for the majority of those possessions, the Raiders would get to midfield. They'd start off drives nicely and then just stop and having to, to punt the ball. And it didn't matter if you pinned Cincinnati back deeper than their own territory. They put drives together. And the Bengals got better as the second half went on here. But still, this game the, the Raiders had. And the Raiders get a turnover. On the very first drive. They get Burrow to fumble. The crowd is electric. They're fired up. And what happens? The Raiders have to settle for a field goal. So instead of 7 nothing, that opening drive, it's 3 to nothing. But it's the way you got the 3. They were just... It was so disappointing. Because there were zero shots to the end zone. Three plays. Three plays in out in the flat. Screen calls. They never threw the ball past the line of scrimmage. Why are they not throwing the ball to the end zone? So that approach is concerning. And then when you are deciding to run the football, it doesn't make sense. And you're not getting anywhere. I mean, Jacobs had two decent runs yesterday that accounted for the majority of his 37 yards. For the most part, it was ugly. I mean, you're, you're you're averaging you know three yards a carry. It's not going to get the job done. So no commitment to the running game. And then when you do run the football, it's on odd downs and distances. The Raiders had 13 first downs yesterday. That's it. 13. Bengals didn't have a whole bunch more, but they had more sustained drives. And, of course, as you know, my, my favorite stat is third down conversions. The Raiders won for seven. And they were 0 for their first 6. 0 for their first 6 on third down conversions. Not going to get the job done. A grand total, of course, I'm being facetious here, 278 yards. That's all they had. So yes, you blame the play calling with the Raiders. You blame the lack of fire. But you know you also have to credit the Cincinnati defense as well too. But the Raiders did not show any imagination. So how much credit does the Bengals' defense really get? They harassed Derek Carr, hurried him into some throws, but just a lot of bad decisions again by Derek Carr. So the criticism's out there for him. The Boo Birds were out in abundance yesterday. And as this game was, was ending, the final two minutes, as the crowd was filing out like someone pulled the fire alarm, crowds booing, cursing, yelling at Carr. Yelling at the Raiders. It was bad. 
It was bad to hear that in your home stadium in just a what a little bit more than a half of your season completed here, and your fans are treating you like this, but deservedly so. Yeah, there are a lot of new fans there. They haven't witnessed this firsthand, but for old school Raider fans, you know what you're saying. Here we go again. This downward spiral hit again. It's like clockwork. After the bye week, this team goes in the tank. Calendar hits November. Team goes in the tank. And not a great not against great opposition. I mean the Giants stink. The Bengals for the most part. They're an average team, mediocre. They were five and four coming into this game. Now they're six and four. The Raiders are at five and five. The Raiders were five and two. They've now lost three games in a row. Joe Burrow, guy coming into his own, 20 for 29, 148 yards. Not much on the yardage, only one TD. More importantly, did not throw an interception. But if you watched Joe Burrow yesterday, you'll notice what I noticed. The command, the precision of the throws, the tight windows that he was getting the ball into. You could see that. And then he had the running game to mix in with Joe Mixon. 30 carries, 123 yards for Mixon, and he was running hard. He was running over tacklers. It's not like Mixon is a is that type of runner. He's more of an elusive type of guy. But man, he was powering through the Raiders' defense yesterday. So the Bengals got it going. They mixed it up nicely. Zach Taylor, he's a young coach. Rich Pisach is an intern head coach, but been around a lot longer than Zach Taylor. Not good. Not good for the Raiders at all. Afterwards, Rich Bisaccia talked about what transpired yesterday. How about an explanation for the way the Raiders performed again yesterday? You know, we had penalties in, in critical situations and extended drives for them against our defense. I thought we were playing well on defense. We gave some big push in there. We expected to get some runs out of them. They're a team that was really running the ball well and playing well in pre- play action. And so I, we have to look at the... You know, how the penalties actually hurt us and then, you know, why we're so out of sync right now in offense. It's been a little bit of an um, ongoing theme, obviously, right now. We've been talking about it for the last three weeks. So uh, we have to look at what we did poorly and see if we can fix it. All right, there is Rich Pisaccia talking about uh, the team, you know, underperforming again. Uh, the question was asked about if he should get more involved in the play calling, which I thought was, was kind of strange because – your offensive coordinator is Greg Olson, who's been around for a long, long time. He's a John Gruden disciple. And I think this is what is a little bit concerning here. You do notice the difference in play calling with Gruden to Olson, But should it be that much different? And why are we seeing the oddity of, of the play calling here for a guy who's been around this league for a long, long time? So the question was asked, should Rich Basaccia get involved in the play calling. Remember, Rich Passaccia is a special teams coordinator. I've been involved, you know. I mean, this isn't, um, nobody's on an island right now. Um, certainly, I sit in all the, a lot of the offensive meetings and I'm involved with the um, the run meetings um, with Coach Caves and um, us at running backs and Tim. So, I just think it's, we all have to dig in. We all have to look at ourselves a little bit. We have a game coming up right away, you know, and so we're going to start early tomorrow. We've gotten ahead. We've worked on Fridays and nights and those kind of things to try to get us a plan for what's ahead for us on, on uh, Thanksgiving. So, it, it's no one person. We, we, we all have to dig in. Penalties have been an issue for the Raiders as well during this losing streak. As we know, the penalties have been a problem for this team year in and year out. Uh, yesterday, they had seven penalties for 77 yards. 
Yeah, I think all of the above. You know, we had concentration penalties. We lined up in a neutral zone, and and um, you know, and then we had the, the 15 yarder. We where we had our guys put their hands on the back of the quarterback. When we're going to get off the ball, get off the field. He's throwing the ball away. So uh, I think it's all of the above. There was concentration penalties. There was alignment penalties. You know, and and um, so it's really it was just a cornucopia of penalties today. Missed didn't do a very good job. And really, that's the same thing that we hear week in and week out. Apologizing for the penalties. False start penalties. We had an offsides penalty. Now, granted, there were a couple calls yesterday with roughing the passer on, on third down. Raiders couldn't get off the field. Those were the major problems, not being able to get off the field. And, yeah, you could say that those are questionable calls, a pass interference call or you know, roughing the passer, but you got to know going into this. This is one of these points of emphasis that the officials are really concentrating on this year about roughing the passer. And it's this way everywhere. So people say, hey, you know, this is this is this is a big Raiders problem. You know, officials are calling this against Carr and the Raiders all the time. It's everywhere. If you watch any of the games yesterday or any Sunday for that matter, or Thursday or a Monday, you're seeing it. And all of the fans are complaining about this. And you just have to be a little bit more careful. And really it's not like the Raiders did anything egregious with that. Now what they did egregious and was really stupid after Carr threw the interception yesterday that gave the Bengals a ball back inside the, uh, the Raider 40, uh, there was a personal foul penalty. You tack on 15 yards. Next thing you know, boom, there goes Mixon just you know run, running down the middle for you know the game-sealing touchdown. Those are, 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 are the mistakes that you have to stop. And again, the unforced errors, the false starts, the offsides. That's the nonsense. Penalties. Seven of them for 77 yards. Major problem again for the Raiders. Here's Rich uh, Bisaccia talking about does he feel that this season could be lost and can this team recover psychologically? No, I don't think so. I think, again, we've all talked about the standings, the standings where everybody is. I got no idea what happened around the league today. Um, I just know this was a loss for us, and we have a game coming up, and it looks like um, everybody's going to be in it all the way to the end. But, again, we, we just have to look at ourselves, what we did to ourselves to eliminate us successful drives, both offensively and stops on defense. All right, there is the interim head coach, Rich Passaccia, just basically – Kind of giving you the run-of-the-mill answers there. And really, there's really not much, uh, I guess, that he can say. And he's probably not going to show you that uh, the frustration level, he's not, that's not in him. He understands that he's, he's a Band-Aid in, in this job here, do the best he can. But he has to rely on Gus Bradley for the defense. He has to rely heavily on Greg Olson on the offense and the play calling. Sure, he's involved, but the bottom line is that all of this offense is running through the offensive coordinator, you know, Greg Olson. Derek Carr came to the podium after the game last night, uh, and he got a chance to answer quite a few questions. Uh, Is there a reason it took uh, this team time to finally get going because another slow start for the Raiders? It was terrible. Um, There's no beating around it. I mean, it's just... You know, the uh, last couple of weeks we just take turns, you know, and uh, just really out of sync right now, and it's not it, – no one's coming to save us, so we better figure it out. He said uh, – he started that off by saying that the team came out flat. Again, being terrible. No beating around it. Playing simple. Came out flat. Can't happen, but it does again. Especially when you get a turnover. 
The defense does its job on the first possession, gets Burrow to cough it up, and the offense goes down there and then cannot take advantage. And again, a lot of that's on Carr, too. I mean, he can check off the play as well, too. And I understand everybody has their 15 plays scripted from the beginning. But when you have the ball inside the 20, in the red zone, and you got a chance to go up 7 nothing, you got to take shots at the end zone. Not even looking at the end zone. Like I said earlier, throwing the ball not even beyond the, the line of scrimmage. Terrible. Here's Carr talking about the continuous struggles this team has offensively. Oh, you know, you put it all on me. It starts with me. And uh starts with me, ends with me. It'll be my fault until I'm not here, you know. And, uh, you know, that that um, that's how I... That's how I operate. You know, I always look at what I can do. So um, we're out of sync. We're, we're not doing good enough on third down. We're not doing um, good enough in the red zone. Um, and that's, it's, it's my fault. You know, quarterbacks are going to have off days. We understand that. But this has just been a, a common narrative. You know, with Derek Carr, year after year, uh, he'll put up some, uh, some fantastic numbers, but then he'll go in, the, in these tanks inexplicably against teams that he should be carving up. And the Giants were one of those. The Chiefs defense really could be one of those. Because as we know, the Chiefs got carved up pretty good up until the last couple weeks. And then you got the Cincinnati Bengals. Nothing great about this this Bengals defensive team. You got to take advantage of it. But when he did go downfield yesterday, there were some pretty good results. We mentioned the one drive, three plays. Three passes. There was some urgency. 75 yards. Three pass plays. Culminating a touchdown. Carr's got to be better. Plain and simple. Here's more of uh, Derek Carr. I'll let you guys talk about that stuff. Um, you can watch it and all that kind of stuff respectfully. Like You can watch it and you know come up with your own things and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm just going to try my best to execute the game plan like I always do. You know, but... <laughs> You know, being a Raider fan for a long time, you know, 20 years of this crap is enough. You know, I'm fed up. I just want to be a part of the the, the, the moment it changes, you know. That, I want that so bad. And uh, that's what keeps driving me. You know, I get pissed off and I get upset and I, I stand up here and I've done this way too many times than I'd like to do it. Um, you know, because in my heart, um, the men in our room, the way we work, the way we go after things, it shouldn't always end like this crap. And so uh, we have another one in just a few days against a really good football team. So if we don't want to stand up here and have to do this again, we better get it right. You know, you got to commend him for, you know, for saying that. But the bottom line is it's, he's not getting the job done. And a lot of it really has to do with the personnel. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. When you look at the personnel of this football team, where are those strikes going to come from? You got a guy like Deshaun Jackson who can definitely play, but for some reason, the last three or four stops where Deshaun Jackson has been, he hasn't got the job done. He's not the same guy. And again, he's not on the field enough as a deep threat since the Raiders do not have rugs. They do not have that speedy receiver. And I think we've seen now that Zay Jones isn't that guy. The only threat that the Raiders truly have is Darren Waller. And with bracket coverage, you can take care of this guy when there's nobody else that can really beat you. Hunter Renfro is a nice slot receiver. So, yeah, the Raiders have some weapons, 
but they're not a lot of the weapons that other teams have. And a car is not going to get the protection. But none of the guys that we're talking about at this stage of the career are really game changers. Even Wall is really not a game changer. He is a tight end. And usually tight ends excel because of the speedy wide receivers who can get open, who can create mismatches, and then the tight end is usually there over the middle, more like a check down or something like that. But, you know, Waller can play. There's no question about it. But now he's turned into the number one option, and we're just not seeing him thrive as the number one option, and teams have figured that out. So offensively, the Raiders have a lot of problems. We already knew they were going to have their defensive struggles. We know that, and that's showing up game in and game out as well, too. Here's a question for Carr yesterday about the Bengals. Were they doing uh, anything uh, to take away from the Raiders' offensive game plan? Um, it's just me, you know, who I'm throwing the ball to. Um, again, you put it all on me, just like I stand up here and do every time, and I mean it. Um, we'll figure out the rest, but I can I can shoulder all that stuff. You know, I'm, I threw the ball to Darren more than I threw it to the other guys. You know, that's that's how we did it today. All right, so there's Derek Carr wrapping things up for yesterday's press conference. Another frustrating one for the Raiders. They lose 32-13 to yesterday. Their woes continue. And just when you look at the body language, look at the results on the field, and hear the Raiders and see them in the postgame press conferences, do you have any belief that it's about ready to turn for the better? Especially now, and he mentioned it right there. we got another good football team coming up. They have the shortest of work weeks possible. They've got the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas. Virtually no practice time this week. Probably not much game planning because you're coming off the Kansas City Chiefs the week before, your big rival. Got to get ready for the Bengals, another AFC team. And now where's your game planning You know, coming in for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and, and those weapons that they have? Thanksgiving Day, the Dallas Cowboys tradition. The writing is pretty much on the wall here on where this is going. How much confidence do Raider fans have looking at the Raiders as they get ready to go play Dallas on Thanksgiving Day? When we come back, we'll talk to a pair of our Raider contributors, Heidi Fang, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Also, we will talk to Sam Gordon regarding the fight. So we got them coming up here in the next segment. Hang tight for that. Matt Holt will join us next hour, as well as TJ Reeves. We preview a little Monday Night Football. So more talking about a wild, busy, crazy, fun, and somewhat exasperating weekend here in Las Vegas. More Raiders when we come back. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, another disappointing performance by the Raiders yesterday. And uh, let's talk to our crew of reporters. Sam Gordon will be joining us a little bit later. We'll talk some boxing with him in the wild, crazy, odd ending of the fight on Saturday night with uh, Terrence Crawford defeating Showtime Sean Porter. We'll dive into that. And uh, our good friend Heidi Fang, who was also at the fight, hanging out. The last time I saw Heidi, she was still waiting for a hamburger uh, in line somewhere. <laughs> the, the, then I saw her with her hamburger. Never saw her take a bite. I think it was cold at that point in time. Uh, I was thinking about you last night, Heidi, as I, I, I decided to starve myself 
you know, because I, I've got the routine down. When I go to the fights, I usually eat before I come because I know what, what, uh, what I'm in for. But when I was at T-Mobile last night for the college basketball, uh, I, I timed it perfectly to go to Shake Shack uh, with about two minutes to go uh, before halftime to beat the crowd. And while I was ha- having my hot, fresh, juicy, double Steak Shack burger with fries or oh, milkshake, yeah. by the way. You're was, chewing me, Small. I was thinking of you, Heidi Fang. How about that smoke track, though? Yeah, that's solid. the one right there. Solid. I'm telling you, I, I love going to T-Mobile just to get those, those smoke shacks, the ones with the, the peppers in them. Yes. Oh, that's good, yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, nice milkshakes. A-plus rating from Fang on those. <laughs> uh, I was going to say here that, yeah, I, I, I did wait in that line almost through the whole co-main. By the time I, I was done, I got the burger. I just, they're doing the anthem. Yeah. It was, it was crazy times over there. Not that it's we want. Mandalay Bay. Not that we want people, and we. I love that we love the Mandalay Bay. So we got to say that. But th- here's the thing: we don't want people to 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 feel sorry for us, poor media people, because it sounds no. like we're complaining. No. But sh- should we have to to stand in the line with the common folk uh, up there to go up yes, in the concourse? Absolutely. No, we should I'm be not above standing in the line. Come on. I know, but you. Like most people, you, you want to be served food, not served food, but have your food options there in the media room. And there's no food in the media room there, Heidi Fang, unless you guys all ate it before I got there. And maybe that's why you were relegated to, to go up there and, and hang out in the concor- concourse and wait in line. I don't know. You know, I, I went there and I heard I had just missed food. So uh, I didn't, it was all on us. It was all on us. We should have got there. We should have got there early. The, the call time was 2 p.m. Right. But, you know, yeah, it's a boxing card and not much popping off until, you know, 5, 6 o'clock. So that's when I usually get there. But I had just missed it. It was, I guess, the food had been sent out by three hours anyway. So I guess I didn't want it at that point. <laughs> right. I usually, like you, I try to eat on my own, yes. you know, and. Yeah, uh, but some days you're hustling and you're running, you don't get yes. there, you know? So so here's uh, I got a story, and again, I'll probably take up the, this this whole interview uh, segment. <laughs> yeah, I know you're limited with food, but I know you don't mind, so there you go. But speaking of which, so I was jonesing for some popcorn last night, and I'm always very careful to order popcorn in an arena. You know why? Because, again, I'm a fresh snob, and I know it's not fresh. And I go back, and I've told the story many times, when I was working in Green Bay, when I would go to Lambeau Field for the Friday press conferences, as I would go in and I would smell the popcorn, though, this is great. Yeah. What's going on? And they would be filling the popcorn uh, in these uh. huge garbage bags. And then I go, uh. so what's the occasion? They go, well, the game. I go, well, the game's Sunday. I go, yeah, this is for the game on Sunday. So I would never oh. have the popcorn because I know it's been sitting for at least 48 hours. So wow, oh, I did yeah. not know that. I yes. hadn't heard this. Oh yeah, before. And, and unfortunately, man, yeah, many uh, stadiums are arenas, you know, kind of fall victim to that. So anyway, so when I go to T-Mobile last night in one of the uh, pristine, you know, lounge areas, you know, that have the nice food, sure. the carving stations, right? So I see the popcorn smelling pretty good. So I go up and I ask the one guy. They got on two different sides, and I said, "Hey, uh, how fresh is that popcorn?" And he goes, well, I don't know. What do you mean? I go, well, when was it popped? You know what his answer was? Today. What did he say? Today. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, now, mind you, it's it's 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and he says, today. And I go, okay, that's not sounding uh, too good here. <laughs> How about a taste test? <laughs> so he gives me a little taste test. Now, instead of giving me just a couple kernels, he wants to bring out the whole the whole bucket for me. And so I gingerly, like, I, I, I know he's not going to be able to, to go back and serve this thing. So I taste it, and I go, nah, this, this isn't very good. He goes, yeah, I didn't think so. 
<laughs> so, so I go, okay. I go, no thanks. I don't want it. And I'm just uh, so now I'm curious. Is he going to put this back? Is he going to put it under under that heat lamp that has been for the last seven hours? What's he going to do with it? And it's off to the side. So then I just asked him. I'm curious. What are you going to do with this? He goes, Nah, I got to throw it away now. Well, you didn't have to give me the taste test like that. You could have just you know you know take a little cup. So I went to the next stand over. I went to the next stand and then said the same thing. I said, Boy, I go that. Popcorn looks pretty good, and the, and one of the workers goes, "Yes, I take pride in the presentation. It's it, the presentation." Oh. I go, well, "Okay, well, like, how, like, when was this popped?" She goes, "Well, she goes, it's been out for about an hour." And I go, "Okay, that's nine o'clock. When was it popped?" She goes, "So she goes back, talks to a manager, says four o'clock," and I go, "Still not good." I go, "How about a taste test?" She gets like one of the Coke cups and pours a little bit in there, and then I said, "That's the taste test." And I said, you know what? This is good enough. I'll throw some M&Ms on it and uh, take it back to my suite, get a Coca-Cola, get it done, got the popcorn the way it's done, and then I, then I got my Jones on. I, I was satisfied. Oh, I'm glad you're glad that there is a satisfying end to the story for you, that you got exactly what you needed on the day that you're hoping to enjoy the popcorn. i tell you what, if you ever want to be a true foodie, Get yourself credentialed going into Lot J at the Raiders tailgate, and that's where you will find all the best grub. These guys, man, I, one day I'm just going to, like, not go into the game. I'm going to stand outside. I'm going to walk from every single tent and try something. I think that will make a better segment More than giving out. game previews. There it is. Sorry, I was directing. Add the chocolate. butter. Yeah, Are you a butter guy? You need the no, butter. No, 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 no. I'm not a butter guy. Actually, I'm a salt guy. I, I, I despise oh. butter because it's fake butter. It's like grease. That's I don't true. want that nonsense on my popcorn. So I know I get a. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me going with that. Uh. Oh, and the best part about this is, so the one guy who was doing the carving station, Heidi, he looked at me and he's going, "Man," he goes, "You sure like your popcorn? You know popcorn?" I said, "Excuse me, sir. I'm a popcorn connoisseur." There it is. Oh, wow. Yeah, I told him I, I'm a popcorn connoisseur, and I laid it out for him. I'm a hot dog connoisseur and iced tea connoisseur. Beyond that, <laughs> there, it there it is. I don't know where I'm. I laid down the law. There it is. But, yeah, uh, press box food at, at Allegiant, uh, thumbs up for them, and for the most part, you know, good stuff. But, yeah, make my way around. But, yeah, the Shake Shack was good. I was thinking about you uh, from, you know, the night before. So there you go. Our segment is over. Heidi Fang, ladies and gentlemen, she just contributed about food. <laughs> and just so you know, I got buddies of mine that tailgate in Lot N, so I've been going over to Lot N. They do a pretty good job there, but I got a feeling I have passed Lot J, and yeah, you're probably right. It's they the really... one right before you walk in. Yeah, exactly. it's the right before. They... It's on the same side as the stadium. Yeah. That's the one. All right, let me ask you, Raider fans, since we're talking about this, what's, what, what is the mood of Raider fans? Because you are a woman that's out and about with the people in the tailgate parties, and you're roaming through the stadium a lot. What, what do you think about these Raider fans? Because I got to spend a good part of the game yesterday, Heidi, down in the stands yesterday, and, man, I was down there towards the end of the game. These fans were letting Carr have it, letting the Raiders have it. The patience level's gone. Oh, it's gone. It's wake. It's like you look. Okay, one of the posts that actually meant something to me was looking at Dame Lillard's Twitter yesterday and him saying that he thinks he's done watching Raider games for the season that he just can't do it. And he's a guy born in Oakland, rooted there. He used to come. You would see him pregame in uh, Oakland at the Coliseum, standing on the sidelines, chatting it up with any of the brass that was out there. So for him to be like, I can't. I mean, that was kind of a big telling tweet to me about the state of Raider Nation. And then you look over about, like, you know, 
we moved to Twitter today, and I've had a few people come in, uh, are really passionate fans. One's called 211. He calls into our show all the time um, that I do on Raider Nation Radio, and he said that he just, He's done. He can't talk about it. He can't talk about the Death Star. So, you know, I'm not going to put words in his mouth that he said because he, he didn't seem like he's totally done with the team yet. I'll probably hear from him tomorrow. But it's one of those things when you look at it and you think about, like, just these people are diehard fans. They're people that live and breathe everything Raiders. There's no more passionate fan base than the Silver and Black fan base. And so when I see them coming off the hinges, man, I can't do this. It's it's really that's I think a gut check for this team that look you are losing your fans the people that make this thing go are just they can't even check in right now and it's just when you see what happened with Kansas City you go okay that's a division rival it was embarrassing it was devastating but we're gonna pick ourselves up we're gonna go into what's a very winnable game on our home turf against the Bengals, and we're going to write this ship. And, and again, it, it was up to a point. It was all right. It, you know, they weren't dictating the pace or anything. The third-down conversions are abysmal. I think they've had two third-down conversions, TC, in the past two games. Yes. I need to double-check myself on that stat. Yeah. One, for seven, one for seven yesterday, Oh, for their first six. To start there the game, right. yeah. So, and, and I think you're right. one, you won the week before. It. You're right. You're right. Uh, you You're around this team all the time during the week. I want to know from your perspective, what is the mood of the team? When we just played the audio from Derek Carr, and mm-hmm. again he said, "Hey, I'm sick of this crap. This is I'm I'm, st- I'm tired of standing up here. I'm, I'm frustrated. All I want to do is win." We've heard that song and dance before. I understand he's feeling that way, but he, he shoulders a lot of the blame, and he does. But what's the mood of the team over the past three weeks? And can can this team separate the off the field stuff compared to what's happening on the field? Here's what's interesting in Derek's words that I took, and I want to go back and listen to it again and analyze it, just so I can do my own psycho babble on it. But here's what I got on it: He was saying over the course of the last week that he hasn't had time to process. And you think about that, and. and for a minute and just think about what they've been through and think about how hard it is to one regroup after one hit. Then you get another hit and that one's like the liver kick in MMA that just like takes the win out of you and you can't get up. Like you're alert and you see what's going on, but your body can't respond to it. And you know what you're supposed to do. You got to get up or you're done, but you just can't because your limbs are just hanging there. They're not moving the way you want them to. The brain and the body connection isn't working. And I think like that in some ways is what's going on with this team. They know what needs to get done. They know the path to get there. They're just not putting it together on the field and they need to, if they're going to have any sort of rally here to get back into the playoff picture because right now they're on the outside looking in and with Kansas City and the Chargers winning they're getting farther and farther away from being able to have that be an attainable goal so you can't keep letting it slip or it's going to go slip on by for another year and here here you go with Raider fans two decades out with one playoff season and that has got to be completely frustrating as a fan Yep, Heidi Fang covering the Raiders Uh, she was there like I said at Legion Stadium yesterday and, uh, again, are you planning on going to Dallas? And if that's the case, uh, are you looking at some turducken? Are you looking at uh, tailgating uh, with, with, the, with the fans there in, in Dallas? What's the dealio? I'm going to call my friend Jerry. 
Yeah. Put in an order. There you go. Jerry, I would like a, all the dark meat. I'm a dark meat. I'd like a little bit of breast meat. Now, Jerry, please put that on the plate for me. Uh, oh. Turducken, you know, it's a Madden thing. I'm into it. Let's do it. I would like to try a turducken one. I'd like some a side of turducken. And uh, so I, I'm a traditional style kind of Thanksgiving girl. You know, my mom always home cooks it like scratch. She won't even use a food processor, TC, oh, to yeah. chop her onions. No, She's like, they have to be the right size of onion or it doesn't go into my meal. These are things that she does that give care and mm. process and time to her food. You and my mom would be getting along, and she would have oh. nothing to do with no popcorn in a garbage bag, TC. <laughs> Thank you. She'd Thank call you. that bag to kick rocks. There it is. All right, Mama Fang. I miss you, Mama <laughs> Fang. Let's, there we go. I need some Mama Fang food. That's what I need. Everybody right. does. I'm telling you. All right, girl. Uh, thanks a lot. We'll let you get going uh, over there, hanging out with the Raiders at the facility. And uh, let's yeah. let's talk. Take 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 some pictures uh, on the road. I want food. I want uh, tailgate. I want all of that stuff. All right? Let's go. I got you. All right. All right, let's go. Take care, Heidi. All right, appreciate it. Heidi Fang, Las Vegas Review-Journal, does a fantastic job there uh, on the video side. Also, Radio Nation Radio as well. And uh, back to the print side, our good friend Sam Gordon. We talked about the Raiders. And, of course, Sam and I were there for that yesterday, as well as fight night with Crawford and Porter. Sam the man, what's going on, my man? GC, how you doing? I'm good. All right, man, let's start with the Raiders real quick. Uh, thoughts on the game yesterday? I mean, just a complete uh, no-show uh, on the offensive side of the ball, GC. I thought the defense uh, carried its part. Uh, for the first three quarters. And when you're out on the field, when your offense is going three and out or one first down and a punt on every single possession, eventually your defense is going to wear out. That's precisely what happened in the fourth quarter. Cincinnati able to sustain a couple drives. Joe Mixon, I thought, was a huge factor yesterday. Cincinnati stayed patient with the run. Again, tried to just control the clock, control the pace of play, control tempo, and they did that. And they, they were able to really physically assert themselves against the Raiders and overwhelmed that defense when the time came. And, and for the Raiders uh, offensively, I mean, like just an atrocious performance. There's no running game to speak of. It has been, it's been non-existent all year. And, and this, uh, and the passing game, uh, save for that one touchdown drive um, early in the fourth quarter, was, was pedestrian at best. I mean, there's nothing there, nothing that, that Cincinnati, and mind you, D.C., one of the worst defenses in the NFL, Cincinnati. This was a defense that Mike White, torch for 400 yards a couple weeks ago. They're just a couple weeks removed from Mike White lighting them up. Uh, and Derek Carr and the Raiders couldn't do it. They scored 13 points at home in a must-win game uh, where when you, when you know the schedule is getting tougher, um, it was a complete uh, and utter abomination. And, and now you've got a short week and you go into Dallas that's going to want to bounce back even without Amari Cooper, even without possibly um, C.D. Lamb. It's going to want to bounce back on Thanksgiving Day that has one of the best defenses in the league, a defense that contained the Chiefs, the same Chiefs team that hung 41 on the Raiders just last week. So, uh, it's I mean, it's, it's a debacle right now. Uh, three straight woeful offensive performances when you were 5-2 and two and in control of the division, and, and now the playoff, uh, the playoff chances are fading with each and every Sunday, and, and I don't, or, or Thursday, whatever day you want to pick. Uh, I, I don't. I haven't seen anything uh, encouraging from the Raiders these last few weeks to make me feel like they can get this thing back on track. It feels like different season, um, same story with the November tailspin. Right. 
You know, Sam, you have a unique perspective, in my opinion, because you, not only are you covering the team and the on-the-field stuff, but also the off-the-field stuff you've been all over as well, too. We talked about, you know, last week your trip to Montgomery, Alabama, regarding, you know, finding out more about Henry Ruggs and, and you know, what his life was like, you know, prior to the accident and everything. I mean, how much of what we're seeing now, I mean, after the bye week, I mean, this team getting outscored, what, 96-43, to 43, how bad they're playing, losing to the Giants, losing to the Chiefs, losing to the Bengals, two of these three games, you know, on your home field and just playing uninspiring football. How much of this is the pressure of everything that has gone on off the field? I mean, I think there's, that definitely has a, a part to play. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if, if I can quantify what role it's playing, but, and, but, Listen, these these guys are incredible athletes, world class, best in the world at what they do uh, every Sunday, uh, and at the same time, they're human beings, and they went through a disastrous situation that involved the ousting of their head coach. They went through, um, you know, the 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 the, the car crash and, and losing um, a teammate, you know, that they loved, that they cared about, and having to to, to, to face. Uh, the consequences that he's going to face, and, and they're facing the consequences of his actions as well, not having him on the field. I think the combination of not having John Gruden and not having um, Henry Ruggs, obviously from an emotional standpoint, has to be tough. But but even from a, an X's and O's standpoint, um, say what you will about John Gruden, and and uh, but he had Derek Carr playing great football. That's just the reality. Derek Carr and John Gruden had a chemistry that they had formed over three-plus years, and they really had a good feel for one another, and that offense was humming. It frankly hasn't been the same. If you talk about... Um, the, the passing game, Henry Ruggs uh, was a big part of that. He was on pace for a thousand yards, and, and his mere presence, his four-two speed, changed the geometry of the field. So I think it's twofold. Yes, I think there's definitely pressure, emotional pressure, emotional exhaustion by the pace of the season and, and everything that's transpired. But but tangibly as well, uh, you lose two very valuable um, commodities to what you were trying to produce, and uh, and you see the results. You see a, a lifeless offense a punchless offense, an offense with no juice whatsoever, and, and you know, an exhausted uh, football team. And we hear the postgame comments, and it just feels like rinse and repeat. You know, they, they talk about how this team's not different, but it looks the exact same in terms of November, how everything's going. So they're running out of time to right the ship. There still is time, uh, but it doesn't get any easier. You take a look at the schedule. It's, it's not – it's tough. It's, it's, it's a tough schedule. There's no, way, there's no way around that, especially with how the Raiders – are playing right now and with how they've looked the last few weeks of the, the deficiencies they have uh, on the offensive side of the ball, not being able to run the ball and inconsistent offensive line. Uh, other teams have, are, are going to exploit those, and, and we'll see if the Raiders have enough to overcome that. But, yeah, I think it's definitely – I mean, how can it not? These guys are human beings. And going through what they've gone through, it's definitely taken – definitely regardless of what they said, I, I, would, I would have to imagine it's taken an emotional toll. Uh, on these players throughout the course of the year. Right, and for the guys that have been here for the last few years as well, specifically Derek Carr, you you hit the calendar of November after the bye week, and it's like, wow, here we go again, and it's something they seem that they can't shake. All right, Sam Gordon joins us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. All right, Sam, we were at the fight on Saturday night. Uh, Very good fight, very entertaining fight, but a very odd ending that uh, I don't think any of us really thought would happen uh, for Sean Porter. It was round ten again. Uh, same thing happened to him with Earl Spence, where he went down, and that cost him the fight. He can make the argument, like we've talked about so many times, that Sean maybe even wins that fight against Earl Spence if he stands up in round ten. He could not stand up in round ten, even though he was only behind one point on two of the three judges' scorecards heading into round ten. Very good fight. Very good account for himself. He goes down twice. 
And then his father and trainer, Kenny Porter, says, that's it. I'm stopping the fight, uh, much to the dismay and the frustration of Sean. But this was an, an odd uh, ending. Uh, I, I have, uh, you know, you know, my thoughts and, you know, knowing the family as well as I do. And But uh, we've seen the last of Sean Porter as of right now uh, in the ring. Give me your thoughts of the fight. Yeah, DC, first and foremost, tremendous fight, tremendous atmosphere at, at Michelob Ultra Arena um, at Mandalay Bay. Now, I, I, the, the, I, I, from what I understand, there were several, several legendary fights contested there early 2000s, uh, mid-2000s, obviously before my time yep. um, in Las Vegas. But this was my first you know, fight of this magnitude uh, at Michelob Ultra Arena. Tremendous atmosphere. I thought the crowd was great. The crowd was engaged. The crowd was on its feet uh, and, and very much felt had a big fight feel to it. And then in terms of the fight itself, um, you know, played out how I thought it was. Sean Porter, we know what he does. He's going to go in there. He's going to bang. He's going to make you uncomfortable. And I thought he was able to, to have quite a bit of success um, doing that against Terrence Crawford throughout the course of the, of the, the nine-plus rounds. He was able to go in there, assert himself, uh, pressure Crawford, make Crawford fight off his back foot. You see, I felt like the entire fight, Crawford was looking for that big counter left, right, that, the right. counter uppercut, and, and, and he was just missing. You know, he would catch him here and there with some counter shots, but he was missing on the big ones. And, and finally, uh, when, when, when push came to shove, you know, knowing the fight was close on the cards, um, he was able to put the pedal to the metal and do what he so often does, and that was close to show uh, in really impressive fashion. He, he finally uh, caught Sean with the, with the counter left. Um, he caught him flush, and then he was able to follow uh, with a big flurry. Um, I was a little surprised. Uh, that that Kenny Porter stopped the fight. Uh, I, I mean, from my vantage point, you know, Sean, uh, from what what I saw, you know, I, he wasn't in in tip top shape at that point. But it, it, he wasn't, you know, hurt badly. He was hurt, but it, I didn't feel like he was hurt badly. But at the same time, uh, you you could kind of feel that there was an inevitability to it. That there was still a minute and some change left in that round. And Terrence Crawford, being the closer that he is, being the the finisher that he is, having the killer instinct that he had. Uh, you know, Kenny Porter doesn't wanted to save his son from from what he was possibly going to face um, the rest of the round and potentially the rest of the fight. So I understand both sides. I understand Sean's frustration. I also understand Kenny looking out for for his son in a fight that, well, while it was very close, uh, it seemed like it was very clearly a turning point where Crawford was able to take control in that tenth round. So uh, Terrence Crawford again proves that he is one of the pound for pound greats uh, of this era. Definitely a signature victory for him at welterweight we know what he did at lightweight we know about him being undisputed champion at at 140 pounds but he needed that signature victory at at 147 i think to really cement himself in the eyes of the general public as one of the top fighters of his era and and he was able to do so uh, in impressive fashion and and, then that was you know it was a a tremendous fight a tremendous atmosphere and 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 sean porter went out um like it like a champion i mean he gave everything he had and, and he definitely made porter uncomfortable for stretches or, or Crawford uncomfortable for stretches of the fight. But at the end of the day, um, Terrence Bud Crawford, one of the top three pound for pound fighters in the world. And he proved that on a huge stage in front of a, an electric audience on Saturday night. Yeah. And no, Terrence Crawford uh, was fantastic. And kind of like we thought, you know, he would probably start off a little bit slow, like he traditionally does. And, you know, you know, Sean went some early rounds, but it was back and forth. I mean, basically for the first seven rounds, it w- they were alternating, you know, winning rounds. Uh, but you could see that Terrence was getting stronger as the fight, uh, you know, went on. He started to, to catch Sean, but yeah, not in a real devastating fashion. Would, it, would, would the devastation maybe happen later 
on, uh, you know, in the 10th and into the 11th, potentially the 12th round, possibly. But, you know, this is the first time that Sean Porter has ever been stopped. Uh, you know, remember, he, you know, his other, you know, losses, three prior losses, all the world champions uh, went by way of distance into the scorecards. So I think, you know, it probably would have uh, went on. But would Terrence Crawford, uh, you know, uh, piled up some more points? I mean, if that fight's not stopped, remember, that's a 10-7 round right there. So probably too hard for Sean uh, to overcome. But, uh, again, let's give the kudos and the props definitely to Terrence Crawford because he was phenomenal. And like you said, Sam, you know, closing the show, uh, this guy showed us what he's basically showed us his entire career. And like Canelo, he is a guy that continues to get better and better. There is no end in sight for either one of these guys. No, I, I don't think so either. I think, you know, Terrence Crawford may be 34 years old, but you see the hand speed, the foot speed, his ability to, to fight at range, to fight uh, to, to fight inside. I mean, he can do it all. He's such a complete fighter. He has so many different ways to win a fight, and I think ultimately that's why he was able to prevail on Saturday night. We know about Sean Porter's style. He's, co- he's going to come forward. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to pressure you. He's going to throw punches in flurries. Uh, but that's who he is, essentially, for all 12 rounds. I think we were able to see different facets of Terrence Crawford. We were able to see the boxer. We were able to see the brawler. We, we saw some defense. We saw a little bit of everything. Um, and at 34, he looks as good as he ever has in his toughest fight. I mean, he, he, he put forth one of, his, one of his best performances overall. Now, he said after the fight it wasn't his best performance, and, and, and he, he talked about a couple other ones earlier in his career. But this is right near the top. Given the opponent, like you said, Sean Porter has, has been in there and banged it out with every – elite welterweight of his era. This was a guy that, that never turned down a challenge and that pushed guys, win, lose, or draw, to the brink uh, of their capabilities. Pushed Errol Spence. Uh, to, to, I mean, gave Errol Spence his toughest fight to date. Um, was a two-time champion. And, and beyond that, TC, as you know, uh, as well as anybody, just a tremendous ambassador for boxing and one of the nicest, best people in the sport of boxing uh, and, and, and for him, after announcing his retirement after the fight, we know that's not going away anytime soon. Right. He does a tremendous job as an analyst on Fox. He has the Porterway podcast emerging as one of the most interesting uh, boxing and sports podcasts. Just a tremendous career for Sean, Showtime Sean Porter. Sam Gordon, great stuff, my friend. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Have yourself a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy, my friend. A happy Thanksgiving, TC. Appreciate everything. Talk soon. You got it. There he is, Sam Gordon. Great job covering the Mortal Kombat, the boxing, and we'll have more thoughts regarding Crawford and Porter uh, a little bit later as well. And I'm sure, you know, Sean, Cro- Cro- or rather, Sean Porter will be joining us uh, in the next week or two as well, too. But uh, very entertaining fight. All right, more Raider talk, more NFL talk coming your way next hour. T.J. Reeves joins us as we go to Tampa as we get ready for Monday Night Football.